Hey, this is Nathan Elias and I'm one of the pastors at Good Oak Christian Center. I want to welcome you to our podcast. We are all about giving hope and healing people and believe God is going to use this word to touch your life today. So let's get started and enjoy this message. You have to have muscles to pick this up. Well, I want you to go to the Bible today. And we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it's a passage of scripture that we are familiar with. But during the season, as I said, I want to encourage you and talk to you about total recovery. I believe that God is a God of total recovery. During this season, and Pastor Wendy had shared the testimony, we had an instance where she lost her purse. It actually fell out of the car, fell into the road. And a gentleman across the road saw something lying in the road, picked it up, and it's not really a neighbor. If your neighbors are like mine, they come and go, they go to work, and it's not because you're not neighborly. You, they're either working or you're not working, and you see people coming and going. And so Wendy's wallet had fallen actually out of the car door as she got into the car, landed in the street. We live on a busy street, and this gentleman had found it and brought it to the house. He shared with us what had transpired, that he saw something lying on the road, wasn't sure what it was, felt he should stop, which he did do, picked it up, and not one cent was missing, not one credit card, uh, everything was there. And it was complete recovery. And I'm sure you're all aware that when you lose your cards and you lose your driver's license, replacing it is a major headache. And so here, this gentleman, it's a, maybe two days later, because I'm seldom in the house, the doorbell rings, and uh, look at uh, the screen to see who's uh, ringing the doorbell. And in essence, if I don't know your face, I'm not opening the gate. And so that's pretty much how it is. And at the best of times, I have to have a phone call before I open the gate. And that's normally because I'll be working or somewhere else, and I just want to focus on what I'm doing. And so this gentleman rang the gate, and I thought, oh, this is the neighbor from across the road, and he'd returned Wendy's billfold or her wallet. In the book of Samuel, this is the story of recovery with David. David is a warrior, he is a king, he is a prophet, and he is very symbolic of a New Testament age, but not necessarily a New Testament lifestyle. So we understand when we say lifestyle, we know that David, like the woman, he's like the Donald Trump of his day. Uh, Come on on now. When you elect a president, you're not electing a pope. Amen. And so sometimes people say we're electing a pope. Uh, When David was elected, he was elected to be a warrior. He was elected to be a champion of the land. He was uh, elected to win battles. He had killed Goliath and won great victories. And in that day and age, uh, men and kings in particular had many wives because alliances were drawn with countries. And so they would marry the king's daughter so that they would draw up an alliance. So it wasn't uncommon for kings to have many wives because the purpose was whoever's daughter you married, that country, her father, governed that country and therefore you would be protected. 
And here's a period of time where David, Saul is dead. David has been anointed to be king. It's been a long journey before he becomes king. Israel is divided into the north and the south. And this is something that is missed today. When you go to Israel today, you're generally visiting the southern part and not the northern part. And the northern part is Gaza, Damascus, all the way up. It's a part of the country that is under different government control. And so David was anointed to be king of north and south. And when we look at it, we're just looking at it and say this is a geographic territory. But when we look at it from a point of the word of God, Jesus is the king, the king of kings, The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Jesus isn't just anointed to be the king of the north or the king of the south. He is anointed to be king of the entire earth. And so he dies in the center of the earth to bring salvation to the entire earth. And during the season, and of course scripturally, and I shared on it briefly last week, two brothers get in a conflict, Jacob and Esau, out of which our two major religions, Christianity and Islam, are birthed, and uh, the two brothers are still in conflict to this day. So here is uh, David who has gone out to battle, and he has a hometown or a home city, much like you'd call this your home city, it's called the city of Ziglag. He is conquered the city, moved into the city by conquest, and he is out defending the nation. And while he's out defending the nation, the city is plundered, their wives, their children, every single thing they have is taken. And fortunately, no one is killed in the process. So I want to pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. And uh, you will, uh, actually a little bit further back, and Pastor Leon's going to help me with some of the reading today. Notice in chapter 5, and and David's two wives are taken captive. So we're going to jump forward. Verse 6, and David was greatly distressed, and the people spoke of stoning him because the soul... Um, of all the people were grieved, every man for his own sons, for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Will you say encourage yourself? And David said unto Abathar, the priest, uh, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring hither the ephod. The ephod was something that God answered through. And uh, he brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, he prayed and said, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And so David went, he and 600 men that were with him. Then I'm going to jump to verse 19. It says, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughter, neither spoils, nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. Now I want you to notice the process. It says that David was greatly distressed. Distressing times come to all of us. And during life, we endeavor to avoid distress. We say, if I can avoid distress, uh, or the stress, or the problem, I'm going to be okay. But at this point in time, David had something worth fighting for. And again, the interesting question you and each of us need to ask, do we have something to fight for? 
And so during this period of time, someone said, well, Pastor Nev, what do you fight for? Well, firstly, for you, the people of God and the church. Yeah. And so there's a good reason to fight for you. There's a good reason to stand up. There's a good reason for me uh, to take my mask off. And also medically, uh, I can tell you I'm immune. Don't, uh, but that's another story. Uh, and we're all fine. Everybody's all fine. Amen. And by now there's herd immunity and all the rest of it. But that's another subject. But notice it says he was greatly distressed. And what happens is uh, when you live in a place where you're distressed all the time, a demonic spirit can come against you and destroy your life. So David does a number of things. Firstly, he encourages himself in the Lord. If you'll go back into the scripture, it, verse, uh, at the end of verse 6, it says, David encouraged himself. I have news for you. Nobody is going to encourage you. I was talking to someone in their 80s, and uh, when I talked to them, I said to them, uh, you know, what are you going uh, to do? Just uh, talking to them, and they said, I'm going to make myself happy. An 80-year-old person, I said, how are you going to spend the rest of your life? And they said, I'm going to make myself happy. And I had to chuckle. They said, if no one else around me is happy, I'm going to make myself happy. What they effectively were saying is, I'm going to enjoy my money. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to enjoy my car. I'm going to enjoy everything God has given to me. I'm going to enjoy my life. The life God has given me. So the first thing we see is David encourages himself. The second thing we notice is that he prayed. Before he took action, he prayed. And we've just had a period of time. He didn't just rush into battle. Now, prayer activates faith in our life. But it's important to understand faith without works is dead. So many times we pray, but we don't take action. In this instance, God tells David, take action, pursue the enemy. And I have news for you. Some enemies need to be pursued. Oh my. Because otherwise, you're always chicken. Come on. Some enemies need to be pursued. You see, they always say it this way. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the fight in the dog. And so a lot of times there is a mindset that we give up and we don't fight the good fight of faith. And David, we know from history, was a tiny little guy, maybe five foot one, five foot two, five foot three. Let's be nice and say he was five foot five. So he wasn't a, a, a big guy. He was a little guy, but he was a worshiping man. He was a loving man. He, he recognized his responsibility as king, and his primary purpose was to take care of the people. But before he jumps into action, he realizes that individually, the song they sang about him is Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed 10,000. Now, that's quite a reputation to have, that you can destroy 10,000 people. One little warrior. That's quite a song. And so this is the song that makes everybody jealous. But he's also a man of prayer, and he doesn't jump into action. The third thing we understand was he was insured. He want to be sure. This is the third key. Before he pursued his enemy, he wanted to know that he had people with him. Verse 9, he went with 600 men. Now, this is a principle in the scripture. Gideon had 300 men. David had 600 men. And many times we think the battle is won because there are thousands of people. 
But the battle is won because there is a group of faithful people who say, let God be true and every man a liar. And uh, this is an enemy that we need to pursue. And we're going to pursue this enemy. We're going to overtake the enemy. And we're going to recover all. So the key when we begin to look at pursuit in Exodus chapter 14, Pastor Leon, verse 14 to 15 is this in Exodus, and we're going to look at some keys in the pursuit in Exodus 14, 14 and 15. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. So we understand many times we are trying to fight a fight. The Lord will fight for you. But you still have to go forward. You have to move yourself. And there are a lot of times we don't want to move ourselves. We say, Lord, fight for me. I'm just going to sit here. He said, no, you move yourself. You move yourself. And you'll see this is a principle in David's life. When Goliath comes at him, he runs to Goliath. He never runs from the enemy. He runs head on, headlong into the enemy. But it's calculated. It's with a word from God. Don't run at an enemy until you know what enemy you're running at. David knew what enemy he was running at. And so you'll notice the Bible says, why sit around and cry? Get up and move. Some people are crying. Oh, da carona. Get up and move. Get up and move. Someone says, well, you're going to die. You're going to die. Everybody's going to die. Sooner or later, you're going to die. The important thing is that you're right with Jesus before you die. Someone says, well, I don't want to die now. You're not going to die now. You're still here. With long life, he'll satisfy you and show you his salvation. But I've never seen such drama about an invisible enemy. We even put the army out on the streets to deal with the invisible enemy. Come on now. Deuteronomy 2, verse 24 and 25. And we're talking about how to pursue your enemy. How to pursue your enemy in Deuteronomy verse 24 and 25. Rise, take your journey, and cross over the river Arnon. Look. I have given into your hands Sion the Amorite, the king of Heshbon and his land. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. Oh my. Now this is interesting. He says, I want you to cross the river Aaron. Now, God had taken them through the Red Sea, part of the Red Sea. When they came to the river Jordan, they had to put their foot in the water before the Jordan parted. But at the Aaron, we don't hear that God parted the water at all. Maybe they swam across, maybe they walked across, maybe they used canoes. We have no idea how they got across. But God said to him, I want you to go into the enemy territory, and I want you to go into the king's territory. I want you to possess the enemy king's territory, and I want you to engage in battle. Oh my, I passed and if I don't want to engage in battle, then you can't possess what God has given to you. And sometimes what God has given to you is in heathen territory 
<laughs> oh my. I, I know some of you will be talking about the beer. But, but some of some... <laughs> Come on now. Some of what God is giving you is in heathen territory. You are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You can't sit behind your closed door all the time. You have to say, I'm going to go into the enemy's territory because God has an inheritance for me in that territory and I can't get it. And sometimes the Lord has shown me it and I'm going to have to cross a river where there's no bridge. God doesn't seem to be making a way, but he's given me a promise and a possession and if I have the fortitude the faith and the prayer and God said you know what go back to David he said I'm going to give it all back but here and this is a pattern in the scripture he said I want you to take territory that is in an enemy land Jesus when he comes to earth takes territory the Bible says in actual fact he that ascended hath also descended Jesus who went to heaven always he stepped down into hell and the scripture says he led captivity captive in other words he went into the devil thought he'd killed him at Calvary he goes into the very place where they thought they had murdered him And he leads captivity captive. And he says, you think you whipped me, but I'm actually coming to take your ground and all of your territory. Oh my. Hallelujah. You may as well say amen. Verse 31 of the the same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 31. Verse 31 of the same chapter. And the Lord said to me, see, I have begun to give Sion and his land over to you. Begin to possess it that you may inherit his land. Oh my. And notice verse 31. That's verse 31. Begin to possess it. Enemy territory, you don't always get there immediately, but inch by inch, step by step, prayer by prayer, word by word, you begin to take territory little by little. Why little by little? Because if God dumps everything on you at one time, you'll have a management problem. You'll have an organizational problem. You'll have a staffing problem. You'll have a manpower problem. So what God says is, as you get it, even in enemy territory, it's going to be bit by bit by bit. But don't quit giving up or giving up until you get what God has promised you. Notice Exodus uh, chapter 23 verse 20. When you go into enemy territory, this is what God had done multiple times for David and for others. The Lord will fight for you. Exodus 23 verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. So I have news for you. When God tells you to go to enemy territory, you say, Pastor Nev, how do you know this is scriptural? You remember Joshua when he's going into the promised land. He bumps into an angel. He says, are you for us or against us? And the angel says, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here as the angel of the Lord to help fight a battle, to bring you into the territory that God has. 
In other words, God had already promised the promised land. And some of Israel decided to stay in the place where they were because they were comfortable. Some of the tribes of Israel just said, we're comfortable here, we're not moving. And there were other tribes who moved in and possessed the land. And then once they got into the land, the Lord said to them, there is much more land to possess. Israel never possessed it, and hence the problems we have in the world today. Oh my. They didn't go and take what God told them to take, and hence the problems we have today. But if you're going and take what God tells you to take, and what we're seeing interestingly now in the world, and this is more the political world, we're finding territory and this is now by political agreements, where territory, where Israel marched and walked, and where people were, they're making alliances to say, let's have peace. There's an announcement about Sudan. Sudan uh, saying, you know what, let's have peace. You say, Pastor Nev, why is that significant? Because again, Israel, remember, north and south. South Sudan is Christian. North Sudan is Islamic. My mouth is dry. And uh, the Islamic part of the country has had the oil, and the South hasn't had the oil. The South is Christian, and they've been very, very poor. Pastor Nev, how do you know this? Because a missionary from our church worked there for eight years with the UN. And so during this period of time, what God is doing for a short period of time is he's putting nations together so that the gospel can be preached. And how do you not know that God has given you territory to go in and possess? You'll have many people saying, well, you know, Pastor Nev, Jesus is coming. Yes, he is coming. And I'm going to end and we begin. Pastor Grant, if you can begin to play for me, with Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. With Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Philippians 3, verse 13 14. God will send his angel before you. But when he sends his angels before you, what happens is you have what is behind you and what is before you. Paul writes and he says, brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't taken the territory that I want to take yet. But one thing I do not do, I'm forgetting those things that are behind. I reach or I press towards the things that are ahead. So there's this dynamic tension between your past and your future. And it's interesting that the scripture says, you press. Here I'm reaching. But pressing means I apply pressure to the promise that God has given to me. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. As we stand in this place, firstly, say, Pastor Neb, my heart isn't right with God. Or with Jesus. I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
Some may well have received him as your Lord and Savior and you've walked away from him. Your heart's grown cold. There is a real heaven to gain and a real hell to shun. There is a future that God has prepared for you since the foundation of the earth. Right where you are, you say, Pastor Nev, my heart's not right with God. Right now, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Restore my relationship with Jesus. Then would you pray together with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your one and only Son, Jesus, to die for me. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Wash me with your blood. Protect and provide for me. I receive your plan and your purpose for my life. Today, I recover all that the enemy has stolen. I recover all. I recover all. And I receive everything you have for me. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I rebuke every spirit of sickness and disease that wants to destroy men and women's future. Yes, Lord, we see how the earth has spun something that was real and now they spin it for another reason. We thank you that as your people we know the truth but this is a time of great opportunity. A time for houses and lands, new medical breakthroughs, new ideas and new businesses and new beginnings. We thank you Lord that we'll not miss the opportunity and then wake up six months from now and realize you are presenting opportunity. We thank you. The book of Ecclesiastes says, time and opportunity come to us all. And we take this season, not as a negative season, but a season where you've turned us back to you, an opportune time for your blessing and increase in our lives. Amen. I love you. God bless you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a couple of things we would like you to do. Take a moment to subscribe and review this podcast. You can also help us reach more by investing today. Just go to our website www.ghcc.tv forward slash giving. The link is in the description. Thank you so much and we look forward to connecting with you soon.